Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of a Talking City podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and joining me today for this Football of the Year 2020 edition is Mr. Joe Bray. Joe, how is it going? Not too bad, thanks, Dan. I thought you were going to introduce me as Footballer of the Year then, and <laughs> clearly not seeing me play football. I mean, I don't actually think I've kicked a ball <laughs> once this year because <laughs> every Astro and the vicinity has more than likely been shut down. So exactly. if, I, if I was bad before this year happened, I'm certainly worse now. And I can't speak for your abilities, but I'm certainly no football of the year in any category whatsoever. But before before we get to all that good stuff, it's actually been um, a kind of an interesting week for City. There's been two games already. There's another massive, one massive game and one absolute dead rubber to come. But both will have their interest and intrigue, no doubt. Let's go back to last week, shall we, where we started with, um, well, City smashed Burnley 5-0 on the previous weekend. We don't think we really need to discuss that. Pretty run of the course. It's a Burnley game. I think they've now beaten Burnley. 28-2 in about eight games. So definitely no need to talk to that. But we'll go to first to Porto nil, City nil, Champions League. It was the penultimate group game. The point that City earned has got on top of the group with a game to spare. It was a really hard-fought game down in the El Drago uh, Stadion. City, even though they kind of missed Diaz and um, uh, Garcia, both missed absolute sitters up and goals, it was a hard-fought point. A diff, good to get away, still not conceded the goal in the group stage yet. Most, as we just said, most importantly, top of the group, Joe, game to spare this coming Wednesday. How, what did you rate the, the the performance in Portugal? Uh, pretty pretty dull, wasn't it? There was <laughs> it, it was more of a game of what what it meant rather than what actually yeah. happened because City got the point they needed, Porto got the point they needed, and I think both teams were quite happy with uh, with that. It, it, yeah, it was just. They could have scored, they could have won. Uh, Jesus's header was, was offside for a pass about four or five passes beforehand that mm-hmm. didn't really impact whether the goal was going to go in or not. It was, yeah, it, all of these games at the moment, the Burnley game, the Porto game and, and the Fulham game at the weekend, they're all opportunities for Guardiola to rotate, rest some of his players and he did that in Porto. I think uh, a couple of players didn't travel at all. A few remained on the bench and, and that's the most important thing really. They got the results, they're getting the results, they're keeping the, keeping the clean sheets and I think that's more important than scoring all the goals at the moment mm-hmm. for me. Um, go on. Yeah, I think we actually said, didn't we, when we saw each other, it's like, it was such a dull game, but it had surprising, mm-hmm. a surprising amount of moments. As she said there, the Jesus goal was disallowed. And for a hot minute, we was like, how has this been disallowed? Because Jesus <laughs> was certainly not offside. BT had no idea what was going on. So we were just all lost in the lurch until it was pointed out that Cancelo in the build-up was in fact offside and it was correctly disallowed. There was a lot of angst in the game, especially on the touchline more of anything with Pep and uh, Porto's manager continuing their hostilities. And I said City missed at least three clear sitters. And it, despite there being like really kind of interesting moments in between the game, it was just a pretty dull half. But I think the one thing we can take from it most is that Jesus came on in the second half, scored and was unfortunate to see it disallowed. But it was clear how much of an impact he made immediately after coming on. And it seems like he's really kind of stepping up this season already in the early stages, even though he's been injured for most of it, you know. he's. I think he's scored in pretty nearly, I'd say, 75% of the games he's played and he's managed to score so far this season. And it was showed how much he was missed when he was out injured. And his kind of brief cameo in Porto was probably, again, showing how important he's become for City. Yeah, definitely. I think he's still got a bit bit of work to do on his finishing, but that was the type of performance that you want from him to come in, just make the impact, lead the line. He gave City so much more shape in that game because they were playing without a striker up front, really. And uh, when he came on, he, he gave he gave City a point to aim for and, and it paid off with, with the goal that was disallowed for nothing that he did wrong. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jesus. I think he's, yeah. he's a really, really good player. 
he does need to improve his finishing a bit. But yeah, for this season, he's he's pretty much led the line on his own when he's played. It's been a different role to the to one he's been used to. He's had to take on a bit more of the responsibility, and and the record that he's got on the back of it, he's scoring big goals at important times. And when Aguero comes back, that'll take the pressure off him a bit and he'll just be able to concentrate on on playing the football. But no, it's, a, it's been a very encouraging start to the season from, mm-hmm. from Jesus. And I think it's, it's it's right to focus on what he's been doing right rather than some of the chances mm-hmm. that he might have, might have scored on a different day. If you, mm-hmm. if you well, get one. Yeah, definitely. And I think if we go into, from Portugal to um, the, the game in the Premier League on Saturday, they played Fulham. It looked like it'd be an opportunity to absolutely smash him like the Burnley game, get a hefty goal difference up. Didn't transpire to be that way, even though it really could and should have been. It should have been 5 0 to City at, in, at, at half time. And I think Jesus, again, we'll go into some more players who played well, but as we're talking, like, he kind of played on the left against Fulham with Sterling through the middle, or they were at least kind of switching at will. And again, I think he's even playing out wide and coming in, it suits him really well. I think he's kind of really improving and showing that he's worth. It, you know, everyone's pegged him as the Aguero replacement. He's going to be the, the you know, the sole striker. But he's shown his worth that he can fill in in other positions. And when Aguero kind of touch wood when he's back fit, there's no reason why they both couldn't play in the same front three if that was what was needed. You know, we all know it's going to be a long guard season. There's no guarantee the likes of Sterling and Mares or even Torres won't pick up injuries down the line. So to know that Jesus is capable of playing across the front three and can still score there, even though he didn't manage to do so on Saturday. It's again more kind of. I think I'd say if we well we want maybe while we're not on kind of while we're on player of the year, I think most improved player of the year probably go down to Jesus. Yeah, definitely, and uh, obviously we'll talk about that in a bit. But th- there was a lot of contenders, and and I, th- I think I think Jesus is evolving into a better all-round striker than Aguero. And I've I've made this point before that Aguero is brilliant and unbeatable at what he does, which is playing on the shoulder of the defender and scoring very good goals and a lot of them. But I think Jesus is adding to his game a bit of more of a tactical side and a bit more of versatility for Guardiola and the way that Guardiola wants to play, which is like you're saying, moving the the front three front three around, rotating them. He can play on the left as he did last season at Real Madrid and he's done that a couple of times this season, even when he's been the only recognised striker on the pitch. And um, yeah, against Fulham, I found it quite interesting that the wingers were playing very narrow because the with Benjamin Mendy and Jao Cancelo playing, you finally had two natural fullbacks on that side to overlap. And it was a game where they didn't have to do any defending. So they were they were attacking um, and that allowed Sterling and Mahrez to come inside and, and rotate the positions, as we've said, with with Jesus and I thought that the front three, which turned quite a lot into a front five, really worked worked well in, in that game and and that's what City will be looking for going forward against these games where they're expected to win, they're expected to score mm. a lot of goals and if it wasn't for the amount of rotation, the amount of fixtures coming up, I think City would have gone on and really pressed on in that second half but mm. again, the game was won after five minutes really when, mm. when Sterling opened the scoring and it was sealed with the, with the penalty and mm. they didn't really have to to press more, a few more goals would have been nice. Up in the goal difference, might they might rue that at the end of the season. But in the, in the grand scheme of things, getting the three points, getting through mm-hmm. with no injuries, um, Guardiola opted not to make any substitutions, which was well, a very a debated, interesting point. A, a debated point, but he, he clearly feels that that's the best way to to manage his squad at the moment. So he Guardiola's clearly got the best out of that game that he wanted to, and the three mm-hmm. points and, and the no injuries, I think, will be more important than the no goals. Yeah, definitely. I think as you say. It, it Sterling put him ahead within five minutes. He actually missed a sitter just beforehand when he, he did, got yeah, out. Would have been 
you know, there was worries, there were concerns because he, he'd been on, I think he'd gone six games without scoring up until that full game. And when he kind of missed a sitter early on, it was like, oh, that's not what we're going to see. That was kind of like the Sterling of old, who was kind of wasteful with his chances. But then literally a minute later, he's played through by De Bruyne and a really calm, slotted finish into the far corner, no mistakes. And they say that was it done after that. Fulham had kind of set up in a really defensive five at the back, hadn't even played Mitrovic to give him any sort of outlook um, outlet. And when you set up so defensively, if you kind of succumb to a goal so early, it's really hard to then try and step out and then try and go on the offensive. And it, City had an absolute ball. They just completely dominated. It was almost like a City... It's the kind of City performance you were used to from maybe not even last year, but the season before, the um, this last time they won the title. Just, just no doubt whatsoever that they're going to win. It's the first time in the Premier League this season that they've actually won twice on the bounce which 10, nine games in is quite astounding for how kind of ruthlessly consistent City have been for so long. So with this performance, coupled with the Burnley 5-0 win, are we kind of seeing them kind of slowly getting back to the best? It was such a disruptive pre-season, as it's been well documented, the injury issues they've had. There's not been, um, I think the Burnley game was the first time he had every player available to him. And of course, that's already kind of not happening anymore because Aguero's back out injured again. But it seems like he's now got a full, kind of pretty much near full squad to choose from. Plenty of options. The disruptions that kind of plagued the pre-season and the early goings of the seasons and the international breaks and the like, they're finally over with. Is is Are we getting back to normal City's dominance now? Yeah, I think that Burnley game, as you say, was, was set up to be the first time in Guardiola's time at City in 250 games that he'd had a full a full squad without any injuries to to anyone um, and then Aguero pulled out at the last minute so he's still waiting for that um, that milestone but yeah it, it's exactly what you expect of City comfortable home wins against uh, mid-table lower lower table sides and and that's what they need to be doing they need to be winning early not giving the opposition any chance of getting in the game if they get an early goal then that's a game plan gone because these these teams come and set up and want to put 11 men behind the ball and hope hope to catch something on the break if you, if you get a goal in the first five ten minutes then you've got to come out and and have a go to try and get any point from the game and city are masters of, of picking you off when that happens um i'm not sure we can read too much into it because obviously burnley and fulham are probably two of the the, the easiest fixtures that City could have had if, if Guardiola was going to pick two fixtures uh, in between these Champions League games with not much riding on it he probably would have picked Burnley and Fulham because of the record City have against them at home and and, and just the way that they're set up it's, it's ideal for City but uh, it's morale boosting more than anything it's confidence boosting getting some goals back in the team getting some minutes back into players that, that haven't had minutes as as Guardiola's stressed it on a couple of occasions it's it, it's it's very good and very positive from, from City's point of view but I think we'll wait and see how it affects the performance going into the United game and see how 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 much they've benefited from from these these easier games and then we can start talking about if they're back to the best. I don't think you can read too much into games that if they lost, it would be a, a massive one shock. Hmm. Definitely. Well, I say, like, I can only apologise, listeners, if you hear my dog barking in the background. She's a pesky old girl and there's not much I can do to stop her. But as you said, we've got, speaking of easy games, we've got Marseille on Wednesday. Nothing riding on it, absolute dead rubber. I feel like it wouldn't be out of Pep's kind of moral obligation to the sport to kind of still play a relatively strong side but he should be going like academy as many academy players as possible Scott Carson 
<laughs> players like Zinchenko who maybe need a bit more fitness and game time. This should be a really kind of, especially when it's at home as well, there's no travelling, this should be an opportunity to rest most of his key players ahead of the Manchester derby on Saturday, which could and has been over the last couple of seasons quite a tough uh, fixture for City. Yeah, I think um, the fact that Marseille won in the last game and can still qualify for the Europa League will mean that Guardiola might go a little bit stronger just so he, he can't be accused of taking it easy or, as you say, the respect to the competition. And that's absolutely right. Um, I think after the game at Fulham, he said the players who were left on the bench, who didn't come on, he didn't make any substitutes, obviously. He said that they're probably going to play. So that's still going to be a fairly strong team with Bernardo, Foden, um, Emeric Laporte, who's not played in four games, Fernandinho, um, Eric Garcia, there might be room for Nathan Ake to make his return from injuries, and Chenko, as you say. So it, it could still be a strong team, but if he didn't make any substitutions against Fulham, you'd expect him to make all five against against Marseille and bring on some of those academy players, as we say. And he's, he's used the Champions League and those extra two subs in the Champions League to bring on uh, Felix Nemecha, Tommy Doyle, Cole Palmer already this season. So I can't, I can't see any of the players that he wants to play at United playing a full 90 minutes against Marseille. But I can I can see him going fairly strong. Um, I think one one position that will be interesting is, is up front because we know Sergio Aguero isn't yet back to fitness. He's back in training, which is obviously a positive, but he's not ready. He won't be ready to start yet. So do you play Gabriel Jesus again before the United game, which he'll probably have to start as well? Or do you perhaps bring in someone like Nemecha, um mm. or Cole Palmer. Uh, Liam Bellap isn't eligible, so he, he would oh, be quite an obvious no. one. They've not registered him. I think it's an age issue. Um, oh, okay, interesting. That's a shame because I you'd have thought he had such kind of an exciting start earlier mm. in the season that it's kind of a bit of a shame that he's kind of disappeared off the face of the earth a little bit in the last few weeks. So that would have been a really great opportunity for him. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah, surprise me. He's knocking the goals in, in mm. uh, for the under-23s and on Tuesday... The under-21s are playing in the fantastically named Papa John's Trophy um, <laughs> at Tranmere. So we'll, we'll probably get an indication of who might or might not be involved. Maybe he'll get a piece of the action. Nah. Come on. That was nah, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we were saying, we've got Marseille. We're hoping it'll be like, you. we can fully, uh, pretty much imagine it's going to be a kind of a rotated team because on Saturday, as we said, the Manchester derby, United, they've had the number in recent times. It's Solskjaer's bread and butter, the games when he can easily just sit back, absorb pressure and hit on devastating counters with the pace of Marshall, Rashford, Greenwood, Fernandez. This is a game that suits United more than pretty much any other and one that City have found it hard to kind of negotiate in recent times. Um, coincidentally, it's a year to the day when yeah, United won 2-1 in the, last, in the Manchester derby in the Premier League. Um, it's good. It's got an interest. I think the interesting dilemma where Guardiola goes with here is centre back. Like John Stones has had an absolute redemption over the last few weeks. He's only conceded once while he's been on the pitch all season. Five out of his seven games have been clean sheets, and the other one, the other two, was one shot on target um, against Wolves, and then um, he'd come on in the last minute against Porto, and Porto had scored in the first half. So he's been pretty much near unresponsible for any goals so far this season. He had a minor blip against Fulham when him and Edison had a bit of a mishap, and the ball went perilously close to playing in the Fulham striker after a pass back. But does he start? Does he keep his place alongside Ruben Diaz, or does Laporte kind of come back in? Who you do imagine Diaz and Laporte is the long-term first-choice partnership, but you can't knock Stones for the way he's been playing. No, not at all. He's been sort of the ideal 
response that you'd want from a player who's not been in the side. He's, he's really seems to have fought his way back on the training pitch. And it was interesting that before the game, Guardiola was asked, before the Fulham game, Guardiola was asked why why is Stones playing and why is Laporte not? And he spoke about the effort that generally all players are putting on the on the training pitch. So that seemed to me like a maybe a little bit of an insight into why Laporte's not been playing. It, se- it seems a little bit more than rotation to leave Laporte out for four games, but Again, Guardiola's been trying to reward the players who've been playing well and not making mistakes. And he said that's important for, for especially the big games. And uh, I think he pointed to the Tottenham game where individual mistakes when Laporte and Diaz were playing did cost City City the results. So I'd, I'm really not sure. If you'd asked me a week ago, I, I would have said, oh yeah, well, Laporte will come back in. They're just resting him. But John Stones has been very, very comfortable and much improved and sort of back to, back to his best and seems to have put a really good partnership together with, with Ruben Diaz. So... I mean, Ruben Diaz, since he's come in, has been been brilliant, hasn't he? He's, he looked very mm-hmm. solid against Laporte and, and Malstone. We'll talk about him momentarily, no doubt, when we get to play the year kind of contenders. But yeah, he's been brilliant alongside Stones. It wouldn't surprise me, actually, if to mirror what United may do, if he plays both of them in the free free at the back with Diaz and um, coming in with Stones and Laporte, it's something City don't do regularly, but it kind of fit United with their injuries to Marshall and Cavani will likely have to go with two up top with Greenwood and Rashford. We'll see how they line up against Leipzig on Wednesday night. It could be a fit taste of, you know, City kind of adapting to United and kind of playing their way to kind of cancel out their counter-attack potentially. Yeah, it's, it's going to be another one of Pep Guardiola's probably going to try and outthink Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and three times out of four last season that didn't work. So, it, it's, it's going to be a fascinating battle because neither team can really afford to drop points. Uh, both teams really need to get back into the the top four and 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 stay there really. So it's it's going to be a really interesting one. And, and City would have to say, well, I would say a, a probably favourites going into it just because they've had these games to rotate and they've got a free game this week. Whereas United have got to got to go to Leipzig, got to go full strength to try and qualify for the the last sixteen in the Champions League. But and and again, United's home form has been pretty rubbish. So. It's, it's. I really don't know how to call it, but I would say City are in a better position. Um, and given that they've they've got a week a game against Marseille to to really rest the players that they want to, and 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 they'll be able to go into the Old Trafford game as 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 full strength as they can be. Mm-hmm. I'd say City are slight favourites, but if you if you told me that come seven o'clock on on Saturday that United have won two nil. I probably won't be surprised. So mm-hmm. again, it's, it's anyone's games, and it's about who turns up on the day and and who gets the tactics right. So on on the spot, what's your prediction? I'm pressing you. I think it'll be. I, I think a draw. I think both teams will be a, a bit disappointed, and neither mm-hmm. will be happy with it. But it's a. I think yeah. It's it's. I, I, you can tell from from my uh, stuttering and stammering that I, I don't <laughs> know how to call it. Well, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. I'm. We don't know how it's going to go. We don't know what, you know, they could, it could all change in a week. We don't know what both teams have games. We don't know who's going to get injured in that time. If United, you never know, United might smash Leipzig like they did last time and be cruising through. Or they might go to the last minute and have a nervy affair and they've all absolutely goosed by the time they get to um, the derby. So we'll have to find out. But no, Joe, let's get to the main event. It is, of course, the Footballer of the Year edition of the Talking City podcast. And it's been a weird 2024 City. It's been one that's only yielded one trophy, the Carabao Cup back in February, before <laughs> before football kind of went off a cliff. Um, and it's been a strange year. It's been the start of the season. It's been the most inconsistent City of being under Guardiola. I think the worst start to a season Guardiola's ever made, actually. You know, they didn't 
weren't able to kind of close any sort of gap on Liverpool afterwards, but they did beat them after the title was already won, of course. They lost in the semi-final, the FA Cup to um, Arsenal, who went on to win it, of course. And then Champions League went out in quite infuriating fashion in the last six, in the quarterfinals once again. This time to Leon. It's been it's not been a vintage year for City, but regardless of that, there's still been a lot of good players. There's been a lot of good performances, and you've picked four nominees for City's potential player of the year. And first off, we'll go with Raheem Sterling. Why did he get your pick and what, what has he done this year, do you think, after you know another free-scoring year, not only for City, but for England as well, establishing himself as one of the best players in, in the world, let alone the Premier League? You know, how, how have you rated his 2020? Well, I think the first half, if we take the end of last season, um, which is obviously disrupted by the lockdown, but he was he continued where he left off from the start of last season. He was, he's, I think it was his best performing season in terms of goals and assists. Um, I think he's really added sort of maturity to his game and, and reliability. And he, he is one of Guardiola's first names on the team sheet in in those big games. Um, and I think behind Kevin De Bruyne, he's been City's best attacker. Um, with the likes of Sergio Aguero and Gabriel Jesus swapping around, he's he's been the reliable one, always there to knock in the goals. And uh, for me, it's it's if you're t- thinking about a top four, there's there's no doubt in my mind that that Raheem Sterling is is in the top four of of City players of the year. He he was uh, along with Kevin De Bruyne one of the the, the easier choices for for my nominations. Mm-hmm. And then we go, well, let's say it's been quite, I, I don't think, apart from the obvious winner, which we'll no doubt get to, um, I do think, because City just tend to be so, as a system and as a kind of collective, so good, just as they work as a team, you don't tend to get standouts where, as an example, you look at United, they obviously have Bruno Fernandes, who was just star, far and away their best player. And obviously City, Kevin De Bruyne is their best player, no one's going to doubt that, but it's not as if City rely on him quite as much as United would rely on a Fernandez. So it's I think it is kind of harder to pick out the individual performances, but you've kind of gone for Merrick Laporte as your other, um, well, two, second of four nominees. What it's been Again, it was a strange year for Laporte. He spent the first, well, the first half of last season out with a meniscus injury after, which, you know, ended up showing his importance. It ended up costing City the title, or at least the title race, because they just were nowhere near as good defensively without him. Um, he came back with it in the New Year time, looked really good. I think he came back against Sheffield United in a really tough game, uh, a wintry um, away game. And I think City won 1-0, if I'm not mistaken. And he kind of came in, slotted in as if he'd never been gone. Yeah. And you know, immediately City looked more solid. But since then, as we kind of alluded to earlier with Stones' kind of upturn form, it's not, he's been in and out of the side, he's had injuries and um, little niggles here and there and stuff. So how come Laporte got on your list? Well, partly because I I chose this list uh, before he got dropped from the team. Um, <laughs> but chestnut. in general, um, I think Laporte, you notice it when he doesn't play more than any other player. Um, City looked so much stronger and when he came back as you say against Sheffield United in January that he he immediately improved that back line um, which had had a lot of problems at the start of the season um, and then after lockdown he was very reliable and he, the amount of times you heard they missed him at the beginning of the season didn't they the, the, he, mm. he's, he's just a very very classy defender he, he took that into this season the start of the season um, when he when he returned from injury, he struck up a, the start of a very promising partnership with Ruben Diaz, and until he got dropped, he it looked like City's central defensive problems had been uh, had been solved or looked like give time will be solved. So um, mainly mainly included for for 
what he brings to the team and just how he improves everyone around him. Um, but we'll go on in a minute and see who's who's just missed out. But there might be one or two that I would I would include in place mm. of of Laporte or uh, my other my other one who uh, oh. I'm sure he'll introduce now. We will. And well, your third um, nominee was Riyad Mahrez. Now, while he's never been the plan of um, attacker that is um, kind of as efficient as Yusterno or Aguero, he's never one. I don't think that's going to get you next level numbers. You know, your twenty goals assist and. 10, 12 assists uh, year in, year out. But I think he's one of City's most kind of exciting players. I think whenever he's on the ball, he might, he may never kind of make, be making as much like the decisive actions, the killer through balls, the, um, you know, tapping in at the far post and all that. But I think he's kind of always really fun to watch. He's always kind of on. The, I think I do believe like with Sane, who was obviously injured for all of last year, only played one game, which was kind of a token goodbye, if anything. He did, I do, I do. I do think he kind of stepped up into the gap a bit. He had a kind of a first... Um, he, I don't think Sane was missed as much as people kind of say he was. Sterling went over to the left, filled in there, and the, you know it wasn't through a lack of goals that City lost the title. They scored more, or if not more, at least very close to Liverpool. It was the kind of defence that cost them the title, as we we're all aware, as we've just discussed. And Mares made it seem like they hadn't lost Sane, I don't think. Obviously, you had Bernardo and Foden who was coming in as well, but I think he's the... The main attacker who did really well. He's just uh, and not for City. He obviously had a good year last year um, with Algeria in the African Cup of Nations, kind of dragging them to the title. Scored an amazing goal for Algeria in the last international break, as we've all seen. And he's just a really exciting player. Just really does stuff that not many other City players can do. The way he, he dribbles with the ball, the flair. He's, I think he's got that kind of individual spark that not many other City players are even allowed to do. I, I don't know if he does it. Um, against Pep's orders, but like De Bruyne and Sterling, their efficient brilliance just doing exactly what they need to do. Whereas I think Maris brings a bit more, bit more magic to the team. Yeah, I think you've done a better job of selling his nomination than than I will. Um, but I, I agree with you there. He's um, especially last season. Um, he was he deserved his his place as one of the three contenders for City's Player of the Season, um, and that's partly why. I included him here because he's continued that into this season. I know he, he divides opinion among a lot of City fans, especially for his end product. But as you say, on his day, he, he can be fantastic. But I think he's really consistent. Um, he might not score the goals, as you say, but he's he's always there. He's always putting in a good performance. And OK, his end product might be a bit erratic at times. He might go go alone when there's a pass on. But I, I, I think he does, as you say, bring a, bring a lot to the team. And his hat-trick against Burnley showed what he can do in front of goal and how he can step up when needed. Um, he, he, I think in the Champions League as well, he's, he's been a really, really important player for City, um, which is quite impressive considering he, he hasn't played in European football for a lot of his career. Um, he's sort of come from the rags, rags to riches story with coming to Leicester and then on to City. So, um, But in the Champions League against Madrid and, and, and Leon, it wasn't a great performance, but he was one of the better performers. And... Uh, yeah, I think Mares is is worthy of, of consideration, and I don't think he's as bad as some people, some fans say. I don't think he's as good as some fans say, but I think he's he's definitely deserves his place as as one of the one of the mm-hmm. first names on Guardiola's team sheet when he's got everyone mm-hmm. fit. Definitely. Well, and that's that, I think that says a lot. Like, City mm-hmm. have a lot of attackers, a lot of people that could play in that right wing spot. And apart from one game when Mares was inexplicably rotated and not even on the bench, was that not Liverpool? It was, yeah, but he's reacted perfectly since then. That that was obviously a very strange one that kind of came out of nowhere. But as we say, like aside from that one game, he's been like the first choice right winger when Foden could play there, 
perceivably Sterling could go over there. Jesus could if Aguero's fit. Um, Bernardo, like Torres even, who came in this year and has a, had an impressive start. Like He's keeping a lot of competition out of the team. And I think that says more than anything, like how important Pep, Pep certainly sees him. But we talked about him enough. We've alluded to him enough. Kevin De Bruyne, the last nominee on your list. I think we all know which way this is going to go. But De Bruyne... He's just been astounding once again, hasn't he? He got to, to 20 assists, wasn't able to break Thierry Henry's record, but he certainly levelled it, a record that stood since 2002, I believe it was, or maybe 03 or 04, so along that line. So a good over 15 years that record stood, and no one's come close to the Bruyne last year. He's continued it, in, as you no doubt would expect. He's already got 10 assists this season. Only two goals, both from the penalty spot, but he just, I think with Fernandinho, while Fernandinho is the club captain, He's not playing as much. De Bruyne has like the armband on off and then not. And I think he's really as more more than just he's just, you know, how valuable is it on the ball and his passing and his delivery and his and his goals when he gets on one. He's also stepping up as a real leader of the squad, I think. Oh, 100 percent yeah. And um, I think the the performance that stood out for me was the Real Madrid away game. He was he was superb and he obviously got a penalty, but he he played a part in the other goal and he, he was the best player on that pitch and it was one of them moments where you, where you're looking and you're thinking, okay, I knew he was good, but this is one of them games that he's really, really stepped up and said, right, this is my stage. I'm I'm going to lead City to win at the Bernabeu. Um, and he, yeah, he's, he's continued that. He would argue that he's broken the record. Obviously, I, he said that before. He, he feels that the Premier League took t- two assists off him <laughs> against Arsenal. Um, I think I read that in 2020, no player has, has assisted more in the Premier League and wow. no player, no City players has got even half of what he's got. So, um, yeah, compiling this list was, okay, Kevin De Bruyne's at the top and then three other players who mm. you can argue. But, but yeah, uh, you'll ask me later on, but my winner is 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 clearly Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not a real competition anyway. It's, he's just, I think after that he spent sort of like a pretty much a year on the sidelines um, in 2018, and ever since then he's just come back with an absolute kind of vengeance. Just a man who's clearly looking to make up for the time he's lost. Just been relentlessly sensational. Even if you know he missed the penalty, was it was that against Liverpool as well? Off the top of my head, um, the De Bruyne penalty miss. Uh, yes, it was. Yes. Like the, that is the. It's like that's like seeing like Superman come close to Crips and that. Whatever. It's like the, oh, he is. You know, he has got a weakness. He has human. He can't, he's not just robotically amazing. Like, I, when I was doing the blog for the game, and I think I mentioned it before, I had two options for the tweet saved or scored. I did not anticipate in a million years he'd place it so confidently wide of the post. It was such a strange, it was almost as if it was like a double take. Like, how that doesn't happen. Like a uh, uh, the gap in the matrix or whatever the, um, uh, the glitch that's the one glitch in the <laughs> matrix but yeah he's just been brilliant I don't think as we said we'll have our votes I could never try and play devil's advocate and kind of <laughs> try and argue for some of my uh, notable mentions honourable mentions I'm going to go through in a minute but it's really no contest De Bruyne is the, he is the player of City's player of the year he's probably the, um, the Premier League's player of the year there's not many who come close I can only think of Sadio Mane and perhaps Mohamed Salah who've come anywhere near as good to the consistent, brilliant level that De Bruyne has. Yeah, definitely. And uh, one other game that stood out to me that I, I forgot to mention was the Leon, Leon game. I know City lost, but when they were behind, it was De Bruyne really dragging his teammates through and he scored that fantastic mm. goal to, to get City back in before the killer blow. And yeah, as you say, he's he's, he's stood up. He's, he's not been perfect, as we say, he missed that penalty, but he's been as close to perfect as you can get. Um, 
for a player and, and to, to register so many assists and, and trademark that in-swinging ball from, mm. from deep and just seeing him against Fulham striding through the middle and you, you knew that it was that a chance was going to be created mm-hmm. and a very good one at that. So, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's no contest really. Um, mm. And I, I know we should be trying to make this a bit of a debate and and uh, no. encouraging people to, to, you know, your vote really matters, but surely, surely Kevin De Bruyne's got to win this. Well, that, that's certainly for me, but I, I do have some notable nominations, um, honourable kind of thing, players that I feel like do deserve recognition. Didn't quite make your list for nominees, but as, when I was going through who my kind of nominees would be this morning, I came up with, um, well, a player I think maybe didn't have the best start to the year itself and certainly didn't have the, the most kind of outstanding start to his time at the club. But Rodri, over the last, over the, certainly this season, has become literally Guardiola's undroppable. He's only not played, he's only not started one Premier League game, but he came on at half time against Burnley. Other than that, he's played the full 90 minutes in every Premier League game. He's played, he's, he's appeared in every game in the Champions League and Carabao Cup. He's become kind of, you know, he was brought in on the unsurmountable task of replacing Fernandinho. And while, as he said in his own admission yesterday, they're not the same players. I don't think Fernand, uh, Rodri quite has the energy as Fernandinho had, or still does, doesn't get about the pitch as much, isn't going to be barging into tackles and really kind of putting himself about. But I think he's replacing him in another way. He's replacing him. I think the most kind of obvious comparison is kind of a Sergio Busquets type. He's sitting in that kind of 30-yard block between midfield, well, he's in midfield, but like the defence and the kind of attacking quadrant of the pitch. And he's just dominating it. He's controlling the play. He's tapping the ball along. And his positional sense, as I say, he's not a, a, a barger in. He's not a kind of a heart on the sleeve, get your blood pumping defender or tackler. He's a calmly intercept the ball, get it on its way, and I think he's really kind of solidified himself at City now. I thought it might have took him. I thought it took him a few months to get used to kind of the Premier League's kind of vigours as it does. And you know, every player who Guardiola signs pretty much has a spell of six months or so while they get used to his kind of methods. But I think, especially this year or this this season so far, he's really kind of established himself as City's like new undroppable, really. Yeah, completely agree. He's the type of player that you get to eighty minutes of a game and. And you, you think back, right, who's played well, who's who's in consideration for man of the match. And and you realise that he's not put a foot wrong, he's not mistimed a tackle, mm. he's, he's been helping out the defence, he's been bringing the, the ball forward from from defence to to the sort of attacking positions. The amount of times you see him drop into a, a makeshift back three while City are in possession. And I think his tactical awareness has come on uh, a lot, really, in the last year. Um, and as you say, he's, he's been undroppable this season. And mm-hmm. every time you think, right, OK, you, you've won the game now, you can rotate he stays on um, mm-hmm. every time you think, right, you've got an easier game. At Porto, for example, you've won the group, give Fernandinho a go. No, he, he starts again. Um, and I, th- I think his importance to Guardiola is really showing this season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're making me think that of uh, mm-hmm. all the players I can I could have included. Well, there's always next year. But I say, I don't think, well, I think that's kind of shows to his quality because he's never the player to earn Man of the Match awards. He's never the one you think, player of the year was because he's not flashy he's not an exciting player even in his defending he's not exciting he's not as we said a Fernandinho who you can really tell the impact Fernandinho makes the amount of running he used to put in up when he plays kind of his energy he just goes kind of unnoticed and that's when you know he's playing really well because I imagine if there comes a time in the season when he is um, kind of dropped or injured I think his kind of the control City have on most games because even though they've not been 
um, most consistently winning and the problems in front of goal this year being well documented, they've all pretty much always had control of games. And a big part of that is Rodri's just complete dominance in the midfield. Um, my next nominee would be, um, our honourable mention, would be Carl Walker. Again, um, he, when Joe Cancelo was signed in the summer of uh, 2019, it looked like, oh, Walker, has he got some competition here? But it was never even in doubt. He can he absolutely held down his place, has continued to do so this year, and is just he, he he's a bit more of one that he's kind of culpable for a bit of a rick. He can make a, the, the odd kind of notable glaring error. His most notable one this year so far was actually for England when he got sent off against Iceland, I think it was. But he's just kind of even though he's getting older, he seems to be getting better. Just completely nailed his place. And another player is really kind of usually undroppable for Guardiola, but of course. He was dropped on Saturday for, and cost my fantasy team, which was quite frustrating, but that is pet for you. But again, it's another player I think has had a really, really solid year. Yeah, and I think the reason he makes mistakes is because he's he's in a position where you're going to make more mistakes when you've got tricky wingers coming up against you. There's more opportunity to, to, have, to, to have to make a, a tackle and sometimes it's going to go wrong. But yeah, this season especially and, and really from lockdown onwards, he's, he's been superb. If I, if I was going to change one nomination, I'd probably take out Laporte and put Walker in just because just because he's been so, so consistent. But even before that start of this year, the calendar year, he's, he's, he's fought off the challenge from Cancelo. And we know Cancelo is very good. He forced Joe Cancelo to go over to the left for a bit this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he forced off the, the challenge from Danilo as well. It's he, He's just been really good the last two or three years. But I think he seems to be getting better, as you say, with age and and this season he's been he's been superb and one of City's better players. He's and a bit like Kevin De Bruyne, he's becoming a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of those players that the young players will go to, and he's he's always shouting and uh, yeah, fantastic player. And mm-hmm. I, I think he'll be the same for another two or three years to come. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think the last player who I would mention, and he probably couldn't be a genuine contender because he's only been at the club for half a year he's only played about 10 games but the impact as we said earlier the impact Ruben Diaz has made since he joined the club has been insurmountable he um you know the city struggled last year obviously they lost the port but losing company as well was such a massive loss they know the leadership and let's not kind of beat around the bush in the 15 games he did play in that season it was really really good at the back as well he hadn't lost a step he's obviously his body couldn't allow him to do it on a full season basis but they've kind of replaced him now I think with Diaz it's cost a lot of money but um, it's been worth it because I think City have been real. him and Stones you know Stones' problems have been well documented but even with a player who's had his troubles like Stones he's kept four clean sheets in a row now as you said there was a bit of the dodgy game against Tottenham when things went a bit awry but Tottenham has proven a really good team this year and I think, as I say, he probably couldn't be up for the award this year because he's only been here for a few games. But no doubt Diaz is going to be on our list this time in 12 months. Oh, 100%. But if, you know, Bruno Fernandes won United's Player of the Year last season and he only arrived in January, so it can be done. And yeah, the, the impact he's had on the side has, has been ridiculous. What, what stood out to me was, I think, his first first or second game after the Leeds game. City had drawn 1-1, not been perfect, but it was a tough game. A point was probably right. And he did his first interview. He wasn't content with saying, oh, I'm happy to be here. Mm. I want to kick on. I want to get used to it. He was saying, no, that wasn't good enough. He was saying, you know, we need to be better. We need If we, if we want to have any ambitions of, of doing anything this season, we, we need to be better in, in both boxes. And, and I'm thinking, you've just arrived. You've just come into this dressing room and you, you're already saying stuff like that. Mm. And he, he is a leader and, and there's, a, there's a reason why he's kept in the squad in the last few games because Guardiola can see that and and he's already bringing out the best in, in other players. And for yes, he did cost uh, a record fee, but to get rid of, get a bit of that 
get a bit of that back with uh, the sale of Nicolas Otamendi. It's fantastic business and uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's wild to replace company, but the early signs are that they've got a player who can be a leader and very reliable at the back for, for a long time to come. Absolutely. Well, the time has now come. We know which way it's going to go. My vote goes to Kevin De Bruyne. I've talked to Mr. Simon Bukowski, who can't be with us today. His vote goes to Kevin De Bruyne. Joe, I can only presume your vote goes to... Scott Carson. Um, <laughs> no, Kevin De Bruyne, obviously. Well, dear listener, thank you for tuning in today. If you want to vote for who your City Player of the Year is, go over to www.fantasy.com. Fan, fans football. I should have read this first, really. Oh, www.fansfootballoftheyear.co.uk. Just simply fill in the form, or when you get to the website, select Man City as your choice of club and register up and then vote for who you think the Man City, the MEN Man City Football of the Year is. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And um, of course, you can get us all on Twitter at Man City MEN and on Facebook at Manchester Evening News uh, Man City. Um, for all the, you know, there's a it's going to be a massive week. United, Marseille is going to be interested in one of some kids' plays, so make sure you keep in touch with all of that and keep on top of everything that's happening from the Etihad Stadium. You can get Joe on Twitter at... At underscore Joe Bray. And you can get me on Twitter at Dan Murphy, M-E-N. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon. Ta-ra! <laughs>